Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ready, set, save California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure-ready Explorer or the all-new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September third. Hey everyone, this is Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. You are listening to the Fantasy Football Beat a Rotoviz podcast. Each week we preview one big game on the NFL slate. We call in a beat reporter from one of those teams to help us preview it. And this week my guest is going to be Jay Morrison, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for The Athletic. We're going to be discussing the big Sunday night battle between the Bengals and the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs are going to be an angry bunch coming off their first loss of the season at New England last week, but the Bengals have played very well and certainly have the offensive firepower to match Kansas City. Jay and I are going to look at the players and the key matchups we expect to decide the game. We're going to talk about the fantastic start to the year for running back Joe Mixon, the importance of C.J. Uzama as a complementary weapon to A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, and what the Bengals will need to do to slow down the Chiefs' explosive offense behind quarterback Patrick Mahomes. After I talk with Jay, I'll take a few minutes to recap what we discussed and use some of the Rotoviz apps to dive deeper into the game. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data an analytics site that publishes over a 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Please go to rotoviz.com to check out the site and be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL pass at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. And for this game, the Chiefs are a six-point home favorite on Sunday Night Football with the Chiefs being a minus 109 money line. That's a huge 58-point over-under. So the Bengals and the Chiefs are a fantasy football nirvana for us here. So many explosive weapons, both teams sitting in first place atop their respective divisions. I'm curious to hear what Jay's going to say, so let's get to it right now. 
Please welcome to the show Jay Morrison, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for The Athletic. He's been following the Bengals all year. He's the insider that can give us the scoop here on the Bengals-Chiefs game on Sunday Night Football. Huge game. Please follow him on Twitter at JMorrisonATH. Jay, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. So, uh, tough loss last week for the Bengals uh, against the Steelers, of course. Big interdivision game there, but they have to bounce back in a big way. Now they're headed out to Arrowhead against the Chiefs. Talk about that game against Pittsburgh and, and how the team is feeling there after a real tough loss at home. Yeah, I mean, emotionally it's tough. They just cannot get over the Steelers' uh, hurdle. I mean, that's Pittsburgh, this is unfathomable, but Pittsburgh's won 16 out of the last 18 at Paul Brown Stadium. And at least recently, it just seems like they find the most tormentous way to, to beat the Bengals. You know, they do it with a touchdown with 10 seconds left Sunday. Uh, the last time, last year, the game at Cincinnati, they won it on a last second field goal. Everybody remembers the playoff game in, in 2015 with a, a field goal at the very end after the, the two penalties on Perfect and Pac-Man. It's just like they, they always find a way to, to beat the Bengals. And it's, it's, the Bengals are, are not good in prime time, and they're not good against Pittsburgh. And it's it's just one of those things where you say the the, the past shouldn't matter, but in, in both of those instances, it, it always seems to play a factor. Yeah, it certainly does. And this week, of course, now you have to head out there to Kansas City, which is a very tough place to play. We take a look at the injury report for the upcoming game. Give us a rundown here of some of the Bengals players that, that are out and some that we may expect to see, although they've been on a limited basis so far. Yeah, I, I, Giovanni Bernard is going to miss another game, uh, the running back. Um, other than that, I mean, tight, tight end Tyler Croft is going to miss this game too, but, but CJ Uzama has really kind of turned into to Andy's primary target at that position, at the tight end position with Tyler Eifert out. Uh, CJ was limited uh, on Wednesday, but, but he's, he's back. He'll, he'll be ready for the game. Uh, the, the bigger issues injury-wise for the Bengals are, are on the defensive side. Uh, they, they lost slot corner Darquez Denard um, in the Pittsburgh game uh, and they their starting safety Sean Williams suffered a concussion in the Pittsburgh game now he was on the rehab field Wednesday on Thursday he was limited it's all part of the the progression of the the concussion protocol I do think we'll see him play but uh, they had a couple other there's other starting cornerbacks Drake Kirkpatrick and William Jackson both got nicked up in that Pittsburgh game um, it's this is as banged up as this defense has been all year. They also lost uh, starting linebacker Nick Vigil to a knee injury in that game. And uh, the, the worst thing you want to be is nicked up when you're going up against this Kansas City offense. Which makes me think, Jay, that a lot of the game plan this week is going to revolve around ball control. And and certainly Andy Dalton's had a lot of success uh, with Bill Lazor as offensive coordinator. And Joe Mixon is back and healthy and, and has played fantastic this year. So talk about their offensive scheme. What do you think is going to be the plan? Dalton's having a strong year. Mixon's certainly going to get the ball. Tyler Boyd's developed on the outside. I mean, I, I would think that's probably the best game plan. Chiefs don't have a great defense. Bengals are banged up, like I said, like you said. So going on the road there, I would think that that ball control is going to be a huge part of this game plan. Yeah, I think that's to be the game plan going in, but we've all seen what this Kansas City offense can do, and I mean, the Bengals could blink and be down 21-7 at the end of the first quarter, and then that game plan goes out the window. But I do think going in that they're, you know, they 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 did not run the ball at all with with Joe Mixon last week, and he had he had a really productive day. Um, it's just something that they always seem to do against Pittsburgh. They either they just don't like the matchup or or whatever the reason, but it's, it's not like that game was a blowout and they had to abandon the run. They just chose 
not to run the ball for some reason in that game. I don't think that's going to be the case Sunday night in Kansas City. I, I think they're going to rely heavily on Joe. Um, as you mentioned, he's having a really good season. Came back uh, after knee, knee surgery, just missed two games, came right back and jumped back into the fold, had a pretty good game against Miami. Uh, again, like I said, last week against Pittsburgh, was solid in the yards per carry department. They just didn't give it to him very much. So I do think he's going to be a big part of that game plan. And, and uh, Mark Walton, the rookie fourth-round pick, they, he got quite a few snaps last week. Even though they weren't running the ball, uh, he was spelling mixing quite a bit. Um, he, he, his role was really increased with Geo on the shelf, and I wouldn't be surprised to, to see him get a handful of touches in that game either. Yeah, you bring up Mark Walton. I think that's a key point because Giovanni Bernard being out, that's a huge weapon for the Bengals. This is a Kansas City team. They've allowed 46 receptions to pass-catching running backs, 510 yards, both of which are at the top there of the standings in the NFL, only trailing Atlanta in how many uh, passes they've allowed to running backs. So I would think that Walton, and listen, Mixon can really catch the ball. I, I, I think we'd expect to see both Walton and Mixon more involved in the passing game, correct? Yeah, they have been throwing to Joe. Um, he, he is. He's electric when he's in space, and, and he's gotten better as a receiver this year. Um, so I do think that's going to be part of it. A, a lot of times they, they, they use Joe a lot on play action, and it, which makes sense if, if he's having a, a, a solid game to kind of keep that defense honest. But a lot of times what they like to do is they'll fake it to Mixon, and then instead of looking elsewhere down the field, he'll leak out of the backfield. They'll dump a pass off to him. Uh, there and they've had success with that this year so I, I do think uh, Andy's going to spread it around even though I think they're going to run it a lot I, I think it's going to be a lot of uh, screens quicker shorter passes to, to the tight end CJ Uzama to Tyler Boyd over the middle and, and then take what they can get with their shots with AJ Green who uh, he's another one on the injury report he, he showed up today as limited in practice it was listed as non-injury related I don't think it's anything to be concerned about at this point, but it is worth stuff monitoring as we go into the weekend. Yeah, Uzama is has been a nice find. I mean, you know, Tyler Eifert, of course, totally snake bit, was playing well, played well in the Atlanta game, and of course, then the injury. And you mentioned Tyler Croft as well. Talk about Uzama's development. I, I think that that is a real safety valve for Dalton in that short to intermediate passing game. Is he a guy who can really step forward and continue to increase his role? Because between AJ Green, of course, Tyler Boyd, that would be a really key piece for this passing offense. Yeah, I mean, C.J. had six catches last week. That was a career high. And we've seen this a few times this year. They line him up. You know, he's not just an end-of-the-line tight end. They'll put him in the backfield as a fullback. They'll put him as an H-back. And uh, he's had some – he went into that game last week uh, basically tied for second with Tyler Boyd in yards per catch. Um, He's had some really big gains this year because they leak him out of the backfield from that fullback or H-back spot. And teams have forgotten about him. And he's had some 25, 29 yarders. Um, I, I, you know, maybe that, that is something that teams have caught on to at, at this point. But I, I do think that he's just going to continue to produce in that role. He's not going to be the down the field threat that, that Eifert was. He could really get up the, the seam and, and make some big plays. And Eifert was terrific in the red zone. Uh, CJ's only touchdown catch this year was a red zone in Carolina. But, um, I, I think. Whereas Tyler was more effective in the red zone, I think CJ is going to be more effective in the middle of the field with them getting some stuff from him off of the, the play action and, and, like I said, leaking him out of the backfield. And listen, Marvin Lewis is going to have to really design something up for the defense. This offense, of course, Patrick Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, 
Travis Kelsey, just so many weapons here that they're going to have to cover. I have seen, I look back at the Kansas City games at home. Now, we know Arrowhead is a huge advantage, but there has been situations where Kansas City has not been as efficient at home. One example is Tyreek Hill, who seems to do much better statistically on the road, which I think is an anomaly. But talk about the defensive scheme here. Cincinnati on the year, only 13 sacks. They've struggled against the pass, a little bit better against the run. Uh, how do you, what do you think they're going to do here to try to, to limit this Kansas City offense? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, they, they got nowhere near Ben Roethlisberger last week. They had no sacks. They had one quarterback hit, and that was in the first quarter. Um, Terrell Austin, is, he, he, he's bringing pressure about 27 28% of the time with blitzes, but usually it's a one-man blitz, a linebacker off the edge. Um, there, I only remember one time in the game where they sent two guys, and then, of course, the time they pulled out the house blitz uh, was, was the 10-yard touchdown pass to Antonio Brown, the game winner. Um, he's, he's a guy, he preaches aggression, but it's more on the ripping balls out, going for interceptions, not sitting back. In terms of just dialing up big blitzes to come after quarterbacks, we haven't seen a lot of that. And, and you wonder if, if they get to the point where they start saying, hey, that's, that's the only way we're going to be able to make a play against Patrick Mahomes. But it's, it's playing with fire because he's at his best when he's out of pocket. It's, if you start bringing guys off the edge and force them to get out of the pocket quicker than he wants to, you could be cutting off your nose despite your face. I, I think this game is really key for Cincinnati. Four and two, tie with Baltimore, top of the con- top of the division. There, they have Miami and Pittsburgh back to back at home. That Pittsburgh loss is tough, but if they can somehow get a win here at Kansas City, then they have Tampa Bay at home. Then they have their bye week to get healthy, like you mentioned. Then they get the Saints coming in, and then they get a run there as they head into the season. I I, I know this is a tough matchup, but what do you think is going to happen here on Sunday night? I think the Bengals can keep this game very close, and I think a win here would pretty much erase the loss to Pittsburgh and would set them up nicely to really make a run at this division title. Yeah, I, I think a win would definitely erase that, that Pittsburgh loss somewhat. It, 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 everybody is, all the Bengal fans, that, that's the one sticking point is you can't beat the Steelers, you can't win in prime time. Well, they didn't get the Steelers job done, but if they can go on the road and beat a quality team uh, in prime time, that would say a lot. It would really set them up. I mean, they would be sitting five and two, even if they were to stumble at home against the Buccaneers, they'd go into that bye at five and three. I know, you know, we all do this at the beginning of the year. You pick the schedule, you pick the wins each week. And, and I had them at four and four uh, in the bye. Every, every game has played out exactly how I thought, except I thought they would lose to Atlanta. So they're, they're, I don't want to say they're playing with house money, but I, I think they're, they're farther along than a lot of people expect them to be. But, but prime time has been that huge stumbling block. They haven't won a road game on Sunday night football since 1992. Uh, they've lost their last 11 Sunday night primetime games. Um, it's just it's something that I think it, it, a huge dose of confidence would come, not just from winning on primetime, but doing it on the road against a quality team in Kansas City. And it's really not too early to start thinking about tiebreakers and, and, and playoff seating. It's really not. And, and, you know, Pittsburgh has been up and down. Of course, the, the Bengals end the season at Cleveland and at Pittsburgh. So certainly this is a huge run for them right now. They have two of their next three at home before they have to head to Baltimore, like we said, the bye week. So I think this is a big game, Jay, and we're really looking forward to it. Folks, that is Jay Morrison. He covers the Bengals for The Athletic. Please follow him on Twitter. Great follow at Jay Morrison, A-T-H. 
We're going to be watching on Sunday night. They flex this game in there, Jay. So I, I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And the Bengals absolutely have the firepower here. If they can just slow down the, the Chiefs a little bit, I think they have a legitimate chance here. Yeah, something else to remember. The Bengals are 0-3 all-time when flexed into Sunday night. So there's, <laughs> there's another stumbling block. <laughs> uh, that's a great stat to think of that. Very good. Listen, Jay, thanks so much for a few minutes here. We know you're busy, and uh, we're going to have our popcorn be watching on Sunday night. That was Jay Marson from The Athletic giving us a great preview of the Bengals-Chiefs game coming up here on Sunday Night Football. In just a few minutes, I'm going to review the projections for the Chiefs and Bengals fantasy players using some of the great apps here at Rotoviz. Just a quick reminder that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, which is our weekly Sunday morning video show, answering all of your fantasy football questions. Patronships start at just $6 per month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of the 40 podcasts for just $6. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access our premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. Remember, Rotoviz Radio on Patreon. We thank Jay Morrison of The Athletic for joining us here to give us a preview of the Bengals-Chiefs Sunday night football game. And there were so many things he gave us there. It's very important to handicap this game correctly because right now we're in week seven. We're about halfway through, maybe a little bit more depending on your league size of the fantasy football season. So a lot of you are trying to jockey for position to get ready to lock up a playoff spot. And certainly this game, which has the highest over-under on the week seven slate of 58 points, is a game you have to get right. You're going to want a piece of this game. Hopefully you have somebody in it and we have to take a look and try to figure out how they're going to do. Now, if you have Andy Dalton as your quarterback, I understand the nickname of primetime Andy, that he struggled in primetime. Jay mentioned that, that they're 0-3 in games that have been flexed to Sunday night. I didn't even know that. It's an incredible stat there from Jay Morrison. But we talked about the Bengals struggling in primetime and struggling sometimes on the road. However, if you have Andy Dalton, and this year Andy has played very well. So far this year, Andy has 14 touchdowns and just seven interceptions. Since Bill Lazor has taken over as offensive coordinator, Dalton has done much, much better. He, wanted, he wants to get back to that level that he had a few years ago where he was pretty much an MVP candidate up, up until getting hurt around week 10 and week 11. But this year, he has 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions. But folks, if you take out the four interception game that he had at Carolina, he has only thrown three interceptions this year through the first six games. So Andy Dalton has been on. He's got two games over 300 yards passing. He's not running as much as he used to be, but he does have two top 12 fantasy QB1 performances this year. And if I use the Game Splits app, one of my favorite apps here to use at Rotoviz, you can take a look at Andy Dalton's splits. And what I wanted to see is how Andy Dalton has done over the last five years when he's played AFC West opponents. It's amazing what you can do with the Game Splits app. It really is. So I took a look. He has played three games on the road over the last five years against AFC West opponents. I'm talking Kansas City, the Chargers, Oakland, and Denver. I'm talking about big road trips. I'm talking about games out on the West Coast. And honestly, Dalton has performed pretty well. If you look at all the games, the 80 games he's played during that time period that have not included those teams, he's gotten 20.4 fantasy points per game. He has 20.0 fantasy points per game in those road games. 
even more impressive. He has 1.6 touchdowns per game average against all of his opponents over the last five years. But when he's played AFC West opponents, he's averaged two passing touchdowns and only .33 interceptions as opposed to .88. So Dalton has been able to find a way to be effective. I'm going to say this. Their offense, the Bengals' offense, is so explosive right now that if you are not within the division and you don't prepare for them year in and year out, like a Pittsburgh does, like a Baltimore does, I think this this offense is going to put up, put up points. I understand that the Chiefs are going to score. We know that. But at home, the Chiefs have always been a little bit vulnerable, and Kansas City's defense is banged up and has not been playing well either. So I think the Bengals are going to be able to move the ball. I think Dalton is, in fact, a QB1. So if you have him and you feel nervous about starting him, I would not. I'm not worried about the primetime Andy nickname. I think Dalton is a very solid start this this week because he has so many weapons. So we know that Patrick Mahomes is going to be an automatic start, obviously, at home against a Bengals defense, as Jay mentioned, that is a little banged up. The next thing I want to look at are the running backs. So Joe Mixon is a guy you're definitely going to start against Kansas City. And as I mentioned, Kansas City has allowed a lot of receptions to, to running backs, to opposing running backs. Kansas City has allowed 59 targets to opposing running backs. Now that's second in the league behind Atlanta. So you know the book in fantasy is you got to start your pass catching running backs against the Falcons. Well, I think you also got to do it against the Chiefs. 46 receptions, which is a little bit behind Atlanta's 53, and they've given up over 500 receiving yards to opposing running backs. That is by far and away the worst in the NFL. The Falcons have only given up 425 receiving yards to opposing running backs, so over 500 yards to pass-catching running backs, and that certainly looks really good for Joe Mixon. And as Jay mentioned, they are throwing the ball, the Bengals are, to Joe Mixon. He's only played four games, weeks one, two, five, and six. He had seven targets in the first week. He had seven targets last week. He had five receptions in the first week, one in three the subsequent weeks, and four last week. His total yards have been incredible. His total touchdowns, he's got three touchdowns in the four games that he plays. He is a true weapon, and he is a safe RB1 in this matchup. Listen, the Bengals are going to have to keep the Chiefs offense off the field, and the only way to do that is with ball control. Mixon is going to be a major part of this game. I think Mark Walton works in a little bit as well. I would not trust him in your starting lineup. Probably not even a flex. I'd rather go somewhere else because I know he was involved. He was on the field, but I just feel like Marvin Lewis does not trust those rookie running backs. That's the reason last year we were so frustrated with Mixon's usage because he trusted Jeremy Hill and he trusted Giovanni Bernard much more than Mixon. This year, I think it's the reverse. Now, if you flip over to the Chiefs with Kareem Hunt, you're starting Kareem Hunt. We know that. The question is is going to be, what do you expect? Well, the Bengals have given up a ton of yards on the ground. They're one of the few teams in the NFL that have given up over 600 yards on the ground. So they get up 615 rushing yards, four touchdowns. They've also given up a decent amount of fantasy production to pass-catching running backs. They have allowed 38 receptions on 51 targets, so a little bit less than the 59 targets from Kansas City, but 31 receptions as well as over 300 yards and two touchdowns. The key with the Chiefs is they have to get Kareem Hunt going with the reception game, and I think that's going to happen. He started the year with one target in each of the first three games. Then he had four targets and two targets. Last weekend's Patriots, he got six targets, and I think that's a trend that's going to continue. So Hunt has produced two weeks now. That's RB1 production. Last week, he was the overall RB4. So I think that trend continues against the Bengals. I think he's going to see targets as well out of the backfield. 
backfield. So I think Kareem Hunt is a super safe RB1 play here. If you ask me who I like better, Mixon or Hunt, that's a great question. I think they're very, very close. I will give the nod to Mixon because of the lack of weapons and because I think the Chiefs at home are going to take some shots here and try to score quickly on the Bengals, whereas I think the Bengals are going to have to really control the ball and slow down. They're going to have to run the ball here. I think Hunt's going to be great. I think he's involved in the passing game, but I would certainly lean to Mixon a little bit more than Kareem Hunt. So you're looking at two solid things there for the running backs, two solid running back productions in what is promising to be a high-scoring game with that 58 over-under number. And before we take a look at the wide receivers and tight ends in, in the fantasy matchup here between the Chiefs and the Bengals, just want to remind you guys that we all have to make these who-do-I-start decisions every Sunday. It's it, it racks our brain here, especially as we're really in the heart of fantasy football season. And FantasyMath.com is here to help with those big calls. You want to choose between Player X and Player Y, put the matchup directly into Fantasy Math, and it will help you with those calls. A player's variability, whether you're the favorite, correlations all across the matchup. Fantasy Math takes it all into account and helps you make the right lineup call. It's matchup specific each and every week. Don't miss out. Rotoviz listeners get a season membership now for the stretch drive here of the fantasy season for just $20 using the link rotoviz.fantasymath.com. Don't miss out. The rotoviz.fantasymath.com is the place to go. Use Rotoviz there. Rotoviz listeners, you can go to the link, get great access to it, and there win your matchups and make that decision. You can rack your brain over it. Why? Go to Fantasy Math, plug it in. They tell you who to play. Take a look at it. It's a great, great site. And the last thing I want to look at are the receivers and tight ends. You know, it's interesting. So Tyreek Hill obviously is an automatic start, as is A.J. Green. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on them. But I do want to bring up the fact that if you use our Rotoviz Game Splits app, so I take a look at Tyreek Hill both home and away splits since his rookie season of 2016. So last three years, he's played 18 games at home, 19 games on the road. He is averaging eight PPR points less at home than on the road. He's averaging almost 40 receiving yards less at home. And his touchdowns per game rate, 0.22 per game at home, 0.79 on the road. So you're going to start him. Uh, Bengals are banged up, as you heard. So certainly you're starting him in A.J. Green, but it's just interesting to note that you may want to taper your expectations, although I don't think it really changes whether you start him in fantasy. Of course, he's an automatic. Looking at the other wide receivers, Tyler Boyd is someone who's an automatic start. You know, Tyler Boyd is really benefiting from the fact that whenever you game plan and when you're sitting back there as Kansas City and you're going to game plan to stop Cincinnati – you're going to game plan to stop A.J. Green. Now, Bill Lazor's done a good job of moving him inside and out. He put him inside there in the slot a couple games ago, so A.J. Green gets his points. But Tyler Boyd, it is worth noting right now, has seven red zone receptions. That's number three in the league at the position. He has over 50 targets. That's top 15. He has 37 receptions. That is 11th right now in the league. So Tyler Boyd is also an automatic start. I think both Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green are both going to be wide receiver ones, so I feel confident playing both of them and stacking both of them in my lineup. On the other side, I don't think you're going to start Sammy Watkins. I mean, if you had to use him as a flex, maybe wide receiver three, I'd feel a little bit better. Probably want to go with a running back there in the flex. But Watkins has really not produced lately. He struggled. Look at his game log so far this year. He had a donut back in week four against Denver. Zero receptions, zero receiving yards. Against Jacksonville, six receptions, 78 receiving yards. That was solid last week against New England. Two receptions, 18 receiving yards. So it's a little feaster. Famine here. He has 
three finishes in top 20 PPR wide receiver, 26 or better. He also has three finishes outside the top 70 wide receiver. So he's feast or famine. If you want to roll with him because of some people on a bye week, I have no problem with it. But I think Boyd, Green, Hill are automatic starts. Watkins if you need to. We look at the tight ends. Of course, you're starting Kelsey. And oh, by the way, the third most fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends are the Bengals. So the Bengals allow the third most. Do you know who allows the fourth most? Most Kansas City. So it goes Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh allow the most uh, points per game, fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. And then Cincinnati and Kansas City. So Uzama, I think, is someone you can also start if you have him. He's been, as you heard, Jay, he's really gotten into the offense. He saw his career high in receptions and targets last week. And with the injuries that Cincinnati has, they don't have a ton of options there. And the tight end has always been a fantasy viable position. Kansas City's defense allows a lot of points to fantasy tight ends. I think Uzama is someone who you can definitely start. Of course, you're starting Travis Kelsey as well. So basically, guys, this is a fantasy bonanza is what you're looking at here. I think you're starting people all the way across the board. You're just going to sit back, relax. The over-under is 58. The spread is the Chiefs by six. I do think it's going to be a close game. I, I think you probably are assuming that the number is going to be higher. When I saw that it was only six, to me, it was a little odd. I'm going to take the six with Cincinnati. I do think Kansas City wins outright, of course. They're home. They're rolling. They're coming off a loss. But the Bengals are a very talented team, especially offensively. And this could really be a huge win and remove that bad taste from that Pittsburgh loss. So I'm going to take the Bengals with the points. I will take Kansas City to win. And for the over-under, folks, I don't think it's even a question. I think we're going to go over 58. That's going to do it for the Fantasy Football Beat this week. Week 7, Sunday Night Football, Chiefs at home, Arrowhead Stadium is going to be rocking. Here come the Bengals. High over-under, Fantasy Football Bonanza. We'll be back next week with another Beat Reporter previewing another game. I am Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Please make sure you follow the pod at Rotoviz and Rotoviz Radio. We have a ton of great content coming out for you, folks. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Beat, a Rotoviz podcast. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.